Hi everyone, welcome to another research review. This week I'm going to be uh, finishing off um, the reviews on patellofemoral pain syndrome with uh, talking today about the consensus statement from 2018. Um, and this is a, a, the sort of consensus statement that goes over all the treatments for patellofemoral pain syndrome. So it's created by a large group of uh, researchers and experts who all come together every couple of years, uh, I'll look at all the research that's available since their last recommendations, discuss and vote on recommendations um, going forward. And so I think the next time that they're supposed to meet is 2022. Um, obviously their, their um, latest uh, meeting got uh, held up with COVID. So uh, that's why we've got a bit more of a gap. Otherwise they're usually about every two, three years. So what this paper outlines, like I said, is all the treatments. They go through a whole bunch of different recommendations. And while I think it's, it's a really good overview paper, it doesn't really delve into a lot of uh, the nuance, but it provides a really good scoping review of what the, ex what the evidence is telling us at the moment. And I think there, as always, there is always difference between what the evidence exactly says in practice. And what I mean by that is that, you know, the evidence will tell us um, really black and white statements and the studies are really, really good at figuring out but what exactly is going on within the research parameters that they've set and what the RCTs are. But if we've watched, like my, for example, my series on cause health, it doesn't tell us exactly what to do with the patients in front of us. That's where we have to go about understanding the research and what it's saying and then finding ways that we can individualise and personalise that to our patients. So we're... Let's get let's dive in and let's have a look. So the first uh, recommendation, this is the recommendation that's, that's been consistent throughout all of them, is exercise is still uh, the most uh, effective and most recommended uh, treatment uh, for pain in the short, medium and long term. And this makes sense because when we think about the condition itself, keeping someone moving and keeping someone using their limb, um, using it as comfortably and as effectively as they can, is likely to have the most benefits because exercise is a multi-dimensional uh, therapy. It will have impacts on everything. So it can help mood, it, everything, well, everything from mood all the way down to the actual strength of the tissue uh, around uh, the knee and the muscles, the tendons, the actual, you know, the joints. And so it is just going to be the most effective. We think about things that are going to negatively affect whether someone gets better. It's going to be things like kinesiophobia and pain catastrophizing. So physically not moving, worrying about, about pain. And exercise can be a really effective way of showing people that we can still use their knee and they can still move and do a lot of things that they and can enjoy them while not damaging their knee and not having a long-term negative outcome. So exercise, whether it be specifically for one particular goal that we're looking at, strength, or whether we're looking at just its multi-dimensional impact, it's still the most recommended. It still gets the, the most consistent and best results in the studies that we see. And it should always form part, part of the treatment. Whether we need a specific exercise program, whether, whether it needs to be very individualized, whether people can have things like foot orthotics and then just go about their normal activity, that is a really interesting question. Um, because while we say exercise and we have these programs that are quite rigid, these are all my, always my criticism of exercise programs, they're quite homogenous. It does mean that that's where we have to get sort of better at, at understanding and individualizing the treatments. And that's where, the, where I think research would be very interesting to, to look at. 
Because let's be honest, if we're giving someone a foot orthotic, they're also going out and exercising and moving. They're not getting better um, just from the foot orthotic alone. Because the foot orthotic is really about getting them to help move a lot more. When we look at com uh, combined versus standalone interventions, and I, this, this is what I thought was a really good point and addresses one of the issues with research is that often when we look at RCTs especially, um, they're, tr they're comparing treatments one against another. And what we're not, uh, and what we're saying is, uh, what the studies identifying is this is the, the treatment in this study that, that seems to come out the best. When really there's not a lot of a problem with combining treatments. So we think about um, specifically, like they were talking about taping. Uh, with this, uh, taping and bracing can be effective in the short term and especially effective at staving off things like um, catastrophization and kinesophobia. You can make a change in the short term and say, look at this pithy little tape that we can put on and you get a much better experience, like you experience less pain, you can move more freely. What does that mean for your pain? That can be incredibly effective at then encouraging them to exercise more, move more. And this is where they sort of recommend foot orthotics fall in, that it's really good as a short term pain relief. That's what the research tells them. We've got, um, and when we look at it overall in terms of the quality and, and everything, that's what they can say certain, with certainty. Whether orthotics are more effective, we, I mean, we've got studies that show in the medium and the long term, they can be just as effective as other therapies. And so there's that um, cost-effective bias that might be sort of coming in there where they say, well, exercise is cheap, it's effective, we can teach people to be self-reliant. But there's also that question of cost-effectiveness as well, um, potentially coming in because they go, well, why would we do orthotics over, over exercise? So there's, there's a whole bunch of questions that come in there as well. When we look at manual therapy, it's recommended that it, you don't do it alone. So it's, it's a pure adjunct. So, and when they were talking about some other, um, or they introduced in this, uh, this review, uh, this consensus statement, uh, dry needling, blood flow restriction training, gait retraining, and what they were identifying amongst all these three is there's significant uncertainty. There's not a lot of research around it. And so dry needling acupuncture, there's not a lot of high... Uh, quality evidence specifically in patellofemoral pain, but there's also not a lot of high quality evidence in a lot of other conditions as well. So it's one to be wary of. When they're talking about blood flow restriction training, again, not a lot of studies, but what we're identifying with blood flow restriction training is that we can in essentially increase the intensity of an exercise without increasing the weight and the force. So we can help actually push the, um, the muscles below the, the, the restriction, so if it's, if it's a cuff attached to the thigh, all the muscles below that are going to experience a lot more uh, fatigue and, and, ex, and potentially get a lot greater change with less, without having to put like them on a higher weight. So if you've got someone who is um, in quite a bit of pain with uh, higher intensity exercises or higher weights, potentially then getting a blood pressure restriction um, cuff putting it on their, their, their affected side and getting them to lift a lighter weight can produce a similar benefit in terms of outcome from, uh, from the exercise uh, as well as um, at a lower weight. So that might be helpful and effective. More research is needed, uh, but having seen that, that um, being used in a strength and conditioning uh, and rehabilitation context, it does identify that, hey, yes, there is a potential for this in the future, but we've, we've got to look at it not as being superior, that it might just be a different way 
of producing an outcome, which gives us options to use. Um, and I think that's going to be how, what that would be um, how we look at it being a successful and should be used in clinic is if it gives us another option rather than it outperforming anything else. Because at the end of the day, it's still exercise. It's just a different way to exercise. Gate retraining was another interesting one on the final sort of one they recommended. And this is where they're also saying there's a lot of uncertainty because while there are a few studies, they're not um, large studies, they're not high powered studies. And there were the two studies that they did identify um, included were often conflicting. And there's no consistent advice on exactly what to do with gate retraining to actually um, produce a benefit. And I think this is another one where it's a case of there's going to be a lot of individual variation. However, it brings up the point of, yeah, what are we trying to do? And, and, and we haven't actually found consistently in patellofemoral pain syndrome that it has a consistently positive effect. However, it's also one of those ones that's potentially very, um, or it's, it's, it's costs nothing to really implement besides the clinician's time and guidance. So it's another one of these ones where we go, it's uncertain, we shouldn't be probably making any causal claims or saying that we're fixing things or doing things, but it's something that we could potentially be adding to our toolkit and potentially using as a cheap, potentially effective tool that we can sort of guide patients to try. So overall, if someone comes in with patellofemoral pain syndrome, what should we be doing? And I think the, the, what this review is identifying, if we were to distill it down, is we've got to keep people moving. How we, keep, how we get them moving and how we keep them moving, um, there's a lot of variation, but it's generally not going to be focusing solely on their knee and the solely on the area of pain. It's about how we get their entire lower limb moving and moving more. And that there's definitely some benefit in the short, medium and long term for specific targeted programs um, over general programs. Orthotics can be used um, where the most evidence is in their short-term benefit, especially if someone's struggling to move to exercise. But we do have some evidence, as we've discussed in previous research reviews, that they can be effective in the long term. Um, but again, I wouldn't be potentially looking at them as the treatment alone or their benefit from having for their effect as treatment alone. It might be combined with the fact that they are actually then getting back to activity and moving. We should be combining treatments rather than just looking them in isolation. But the, the, the warning is, is that we're seeing things like putting foot orthotics and physiotherapy together doesn't always produce a better outcome. So when we're providing um, combined treatments, we've got to think about cost effectiveness and whether how much better benefit is it going to produce. So things like patella taping is a really, really good effective adjunct. It's cheap, it's effective to put in there. When we start to think about why well, there's not a lot of um, evidence for gait retraining, gait retraining could potentially also fall into that category. It's cheap and effective. Whether we're always adding foot orthotics to, to people's treatments plans, if they're already doing physiotherapy, taping, bracing, gait retraining, that's where we start to go, well, maybe that might be a bit too much, but it's always a conversation that we have with the patients, talking to them about the research, what we know, what we don't know, and guide them through it. There's definitely a lot of cases where I'll have patients that will come back and go, this wasn't really that helpful, but I'm glad I went through this. I'm glad I've, I've gone through all my options and now I know this is the way that I need to go. This is the thing I need to focus on. And that can be really helpful and effective for people, especially those that display a lot of anxiety, a lot of, um, or potentially even to people that I find that are really quite intense about their exercise and activity and want to keep going. They want to explore all their options and closing off certain doors and saying, this isn't the way to go. You need to focus on this can be incredibly helpful and beneficial for them as well.
And I think finally, we've got to be aware of the things that we know don't really are likely to, or aren't likely to provide a lot of benefit. And that's where we're thinking about dry needling, manual therapy alone. A lot of these are ones are potentially where we can start to use them because we're told, oh, combine treatments, combine treatments. And then we start adding things that aren't as effective, that aren't producing or shown to produce a good effective, especially against sham, or we're very uncertain about. And considering we've got so many different options of exercise programs, we've got orthotics, we've got taping, we've got gait retraining, we've got all these other options, of different ways to move or to help people move um, more comfortably, it seems um, counterintuitive to be just throwing more, throwing the whole kitchen sink at them, especially when they're not getting better. And especially that is something that we can, a trap we can fall into um, when conditions are getting better because we know patellofemoral pain, it can stick around for quite some time. Some people getting an effect at six weeks so really quickly starting for it to calm down, some people can still have it at seven years. So we've got to be aware that just because it's not getting better um, doesn't mean that um, we, we have to start getting more desperate and throwing more, more things at it because that can be at the detriment of the patient, the outcome, rather than finding ways that they can move comfortably, finding activities that they can do, still experiencing pain or are still not able to move back, but we can find a way and say, well, if we're not responding, we might just have to accept that they might have a version of the condition that um, is more, um, is longer lasting uh, and as causing more disability and not just focus on what is the magic fix? What is the thing that I can just flick and all of a sudden I'll get better because it's unlikely that um, there is going to be one, especially in amongst these treatments where there is uh, not been a lot of evidence.